It's Thursday, January 25th, 2018, and you're listening to episode 472 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 43 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. This is Julia. My name is Chip. All right. We're going to cut straight into it, because if I don't, I'm going to lose control, and we're going to get another <laughs> negative episode. So, whatever do you mean? Nothing, Brodor. Non-player characters that can be used as instruments to help shape the game. All right. Let's explain specifically what or we're... Or t- can be used as a clue bat to beat the... PCs over the head. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I meant. So let's narrow, <laughs> let's, let's narrow down what we're talking about. So there are times within a role-playing game that the party is not picking up on a particular clue, that the party is getting frustrated because they don't know where to go next or what to do next, or maybe there's some options they simply haven't considered. In their menu of options, they figured out two or three things that are going on, but not number four and five. And so you have an NPC help provide this information. Now, obviously, this can go right. This can go wrong. We're going to talk about both. But, Chad, you had a particular example picked out of one that you feel is going right. So let's start there, and then we'll get to the ways this can go wrong. Well, I mean, this is in our Skies of Glass game, and before people start hitting the stop button or anything, there won't be any spoilers. And also, the episode is not going to be about the Skies of Glass game. It's going to be the the topic, but this thing happened in the Skies of Glass game, and this is our game, and we talk about our game. Don't think this is going to be all sog all for the next hour. There's a NPC that Dan runs that is part of our group, and I think this is the important part is it's not just like a shopkeeper or a guy we know or something like that. He This character is tied to our group as a whole. He's tied to he's, my character specifically. He, well, and he's a member of our ship's crew. Right. So he yeah. travels with us. Yeah, right. he is ostensibly part of the role-playing game party. He just happens to be an NPC run by Dan. And he is kind of the big, strong, silent type. He doesn't talk much, which I think makes that work. That way... Dan's not, like, railroading us with sudden insight. But the game is fairly complex. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of characters, a lot of plots, a lot of of different things, a lot of ins and outs. And it's easy to kind of get wrapped up in some of the stuff and then miss other parts of it. And this character named Casey, Dan has been able to use him to great effect that when we walk by a concept, so to speak, and miss it, Casey can mention it, right? Like, he'll not talk all game, and he'll just kind of be sitting there silently, hanging out like he does, because, again, he's the big, strong, silent type. And then we are, like, debating an issue or coming up with a plan, and Dan is seeing that we are just totally missing the point on something. As a game master, if Dan speaks up and says, hey, guys, listen, you're being stupid, this thing. You're missing this concept. It would negatively impact the game. It would suck you out of the environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're all in character. We're all role-playing. And Dan's like, all right, this is what it is. He can have Casey drop the clue, right? Dan already dropped the clue. The game dropped the clue. We just missed it. Casey can come in, and he doesn't have to be ham-fisted about it. He's like, have you guys thought about this? Or you're talking about A. Remember B? Because B was like three games ago. 
And suddenly we're like, oh, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. The way that I run Casey is, first of all, you pointed out that he is an integrated part of the group, that he's an NPC who is with you guys, even if he's not speaking. He is somewhere foreground or background or back on the boat all around the clock. He is always present. And so his appearance doesn't break the plot or intrude upon the feeling of the scene because it's not like I have to come up with some excuse why the hooded stranger in the back of the tavern hands you a scroll for no particular reason. So this is a guy who can interact with the party and do so organically. And there are times that I have him speak 100% as a character, by which I mean I'm not trying to convey any information. He is just simply being himself. Now, I try to keep him fairly quiet. You described him as a strong, quiet type, and I think that's a fair assessment. But I play him that way because of the fact that I don't want him to be a GMPC. I don't want him to be... Let me pause you right there. Why is it bad to have a GMPC? Well, I I think it's bad. Okay, so first of all, let's define a GMPC. For anyone that's never heard the term, GMPC is Game Master Player Character. And what that means is that the Game Master has a what should be an NPC or non-player character who's part of the background, should be at any rate. But the Game Master is using that person to act out a full-time, high-intensity role in the world. And oftentimes what happens is that character becomes the Game Master's controlling element, their railroading element, their power fantasy, their intrusion, whatever it may be. There's a hundred different ways this can go wrong, but is basically the game master overreaching into the narrative. For me as a gamer, the distinction is Casey is an NPC because he is not essential to the success of the narrative or the success of the party. He's there, he's helpful, but if Casey was not there, the game would continue. I think I would add a third thing. You're 100% right, but I'd add a third facet to that, which is he is not essential to the direction of the game either. Right. You are not following Casey's life story, Casey's life mysteries, Casey's ideas. You know, that's not what the game we, hinges we can have a We can have a mystery, a social encounter, a combat encounter, where he may add to those things, but his absence does not detract from my enjoyment uh, as a player, and I don't think from our success as a party. Well, and I have to say that in our Pathfinder game that we're currently playing, we do have at least three non-player characters that our GM uses, but it depends on the situation where the, where we're at in the world, because obviously it's not we're not on a ship. So we have like this college that we run, we have this thing that we do, and we have this woman that follows us around. Like that's kind of, but I think he does a pretty, pretty good job of doing what Dan says where he, she, there's a couple are there, but they're not really, they don't need to be there. There's only been a couple times where they needed to be there to kind of move the story along. But one of them, one of the stories is centered around said person, one of the player characters. So, I mean, it makes sense, but I don't think my party ever notices when they're like, here's the plot thing. I think that they just ignore. <laughs> like, and, and I'm over here being like, they're giving us something, but I'm not going to, I'm to the point where in my gaming 
career, I am on the I'm not making any decisions. You're That's, done being the group mom. I'm done, done being group mom because I'm a real mom. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, something that I would look at is if an NPC like this, mm-hmm. let's call them guiding NPCs. So mm-hmm. if a guiding NPC is necessary too often, something else has already gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And it could be on the player or the GM. The GM is being too obtuse. The players are being too... Obtuse. Yeah. I think with our group, it's literally a, I don't want to take over the story, and it's obvious that this guy is trying to give me something. I think it's more out of courtesy. People don't want it to be centered around them. Either the NPC knows too much, Mm -hmm. the NPC is too important, and thus is taking away from the player story. The NPC uh, is privy to information that ought to be in the game, but the game master's not conveying very well. Go see things like the three clue rule. If you don't present information multiple times over and give the party multiple opportunities to find it, then something's gone wrong. And so if you find yourself having to lean on this NPC too often, or maybe the party just became lazy. They got used to seeing this NPC as their go-to for information. So it's like, you know what? Screw it. I don't even care. I'm just going to ask this NPC what to do. Then something has gone wrong. The yeah, group, the I don't know what's going on, Casey. What do you think? Yeah, mm. that that would be a bad what, sign, right? But the the reason why it is successful in the Skies of Glass game is that, and this can apply to any game, is that we don't do that. We don't turn to Casey right. for advice or direction. In fact, and, well, and that's not we forget he's there, and right. that's not always on Dan. That's on the players too, yeah. right? But then Dan will use it. Casey's voice to interject on things, mm-hmm. to nudge us in a particular direction, or mm-hmm. to remind us. But he also doesn't use that NPC yeah. to take control of yes. the party because that's I just don't I wouldn't want to be a part of that. Yeah, well, we that, don't have that going on for sure. Yeah, and that's something that I try very hard to do with him is to play him. As a character, now not a player character in the sense that he doesn't get spotlight, he's not what the game's about, this game is not about his story, but I try to play him as a character insofar as he has his own perspectives, he has his own limitations, he has his own knowledge, some of which is unique to him, but much of which is not, and he's oftentimes expressing opinions or perspectives or views that may be novel, that may be unique to him or maybe something that I want to point out, but that does not mean that either, number one, he is always right, or number two, I am dictating to the party what they ought to do. You know, you can listen to Casey and he might be wrong, or maybe he is right, but he's not got the only viable plan. He's well, not got the only possible perspective on the situation. And I really like something that you said in there, too, that I hadn't even thought of. He's a character. He's a real, or any of these, like you said, guiding NPCs, they should be real fleshed out characters. They have their own motivation and stuff, and, the, and they have their own stories, but that's not what the game is about. They could be unreliable. That's one lever you can use. If your players keep tapping that well of, we don't know what's going on, we're not putting enough effort into figuring out what's going Throw on. Throw a bad gonna, decision yeah, that way. Have your guy yeah. NPC lie, or even not even lie. Just be wrong. There's mm-hmm. a gap in his knowledge, and he gave them bad advice. Yeah, go over the rickety bridge. We've gone over it dozens of times. And these people start falling in. You lose a couple horses. Like, you're in the middle of the bridge. It's falling out. It's like, oh, wait, wrong bridge. Sorry, guys. <laughs> 
Yeah, like make him all of a sudden unreliable. Yeah. And because That's a good if, idea. Yeah, because if you make him unreliable, then well, he's unreliable. The 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 PCs might think twice before going yeah. back to it. That's him. actually my biggest complaint about any like pre-built games like in, like my brother loves to run modules and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons i don't like modules is because modules rely on non-player characters to guide right. the party and it's it's railroaded in its nature but nothing makes you feel more railroaded than when you're also being told by other characters in the game yeah and i think that's a that's an easy pitfall to fall into with modules or even even, even not modules mm-hmm. we are talking about dropping clues we're talking about there's a trail of breadcrumbs, and the players have picked up the trail, and they're picking up the breadcrumbs, but they lo- they missed, they walked right by a big one. And the trail turned, and they didn't, and now they're kind of lost in the woods. And the guiding PC, PC, metaphorically speaking, is like, hey guys, did we miss a breadcrumb? Not saying go back or do something else, but just... Did we? Did we? And then mm-hmm. the party turns around and gets the breadcrumb, and they're back on the trail. They're like, shut up, stupid. It's a midpoint. We're moving on. Right. Right. And that, that, that's, and that's fine. Now, one of the pitfalls for a game master, though, is if you're communicating the world through various NPCs and this guiding PC has specialized knowledge, because like you said, Dan, on, on your character, he does have a little bit of specialized knowledge, but most of what he knows, everybody knows anyway. But if... The character is like this sort of Elminster the Wizard or or something like that, where they are the wise, they know everything, where the world is communicated through their lens, that character will absolutely turn into a railroad. I mean, like, think of Lord of the Rings, uh, Gandalf. The whole world, every single aspect, uh, if that were a game, could have been communicated through him. And the character, you know, Boromir and the Hobbits and all that sort of stuff... They wouldn't have had to make any real decision on their own. If they he would have just told them. If they would have just told them, or if he didn't have to, like, bug out in various right. different... Or if he'd been a proper fucking wizard right. and teleported to <laughs> Mount Doom and thrown the ring and it'd be like, okay, this shit was over in three minutes. Yep. You know. But then but, the characters wouldn't have had a personal journey. Well, and think about it this way. <laughs> there would have been 6,000 pages of just tree description and well think about this one too the if they would have done that imagine that as a game you're you know you're the character the hobbits and all that the elves it's it's a game you remove gandalf yeah absolutely i mean yeah gandalf would be an absolute abuse yeah he would go from guiding npc to a full-blown gmpc because he has so much knowledge he has so much influence on the plot the Balrog comes up, and you guys get to run like bitches while he stands and slugs run, it you out. you fools! Well, A, you're telling me to run from a fight, and B, you're calling me a fool? Yeah. F*** you, man! Yeah. But, <laughs> I'm a 10th level fighter! Yeah. I got a glowing sword! Right. Clearly, it's not, <laughs> it, clearly it's not D&D, because Gandalf's a wizard. Right. But, but more importantly, <laughs> the player characters ran from a fight? Right. I mean, that's loot next. <laughs> we're we're next just gonna go, we're gonna go back and get yeah. right. We're gonna go loot the body so, later. So we're gonna let him do all the They're work. both dead, right? And we've got ropes. We can climb down the pit and yeah. you know, oh, get our <laughs> I love and hate D&D so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are three things. These are the three rules that I try to avoid with a guiding NPC. No Nazis. <laughs> it's on the board. It's on the board. Nazis are on the yep. board. Uh, okay, outside of gross racism <laughs> or something like that. But no, all right. So more practically, 
they should not overshadow the party in three ways. One, they should not overshadow the party in power. Agreed. Okay, so they, yes, Casey is powerful within the plot because he was a pit fighter and all this stuff, but a shotgun to the chest would take him down just the same as it did Joe, except he does actually have some amount of armor. So not and a little like bit of common jet. sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> what? So, all right, let's not get into that. All right, so one, not overshadow the party in power. Number two, not overshadow the party in information. It's okay for them to have some novel information or to point out some things the party missed. You know what? Anyone sitting at the table, GM or PC, might do the exact same thing. And they have their area of expertise. Sure. But they also have areas where there's plenty of gaps right. in their knowledge. But if you yeah. look at the, the net of their information, they do not come up as knowing some massive amount more than the rest of the party or any individual in the party. And third, they do not overshadow the party in control. They are not telling you where to go. Their ideas are not automatically the only way forward. And as a side note, I think if your game only has one solution and one way forward, I think you've eliminated a lot of creativity of the party. Uh, There is something that happened in the last game that would delve into a gaming story that maybe we'll wait on for next week. But I do want to talk about I'll save it. it, I'm just going to say it illustrates the importance of allowing your players to surprise you and allowing multiple ways forward in a game, including ways that were not your intention for the game, you as the game master, your intention for the game to progress. But So that's my third one, is the, the guiding NPC should not overshadow the players in control. For example, I cannot think of any time when Casey has said to you guys in a dictatorial manner, this is where we go, this is what we do. Now, you guys may have asked him, what is your subculture like? You know, what do you know about this area? What do you know about this person? What is your opinion on free trade coffee? Yes, what is your opinion on man buns? And (laughs) and he'll tell you. But there has been no point where he's been like, okay, we have to go here and do this and act like this and behave like this, and you guys are just following his script. So in our game, we have an NPC that now has a storyline being built around her, where now we are trying to figure out what she is. She's some sort of being that we have no clue, like an angel, or I think we may have just found out it's been a really long time since we've gamed. But it was interesting to see the transition between being a good guiding PC to now being a mission, a reason to keep playing. And have you guys experienced any of that, or is that new? I don't know. I've never had it happen before. Well, let me start by saying that I opened the Monster Spaniel, which is what I'm using to write my... Uh, I've got my piece of paper with my notes on it. That, that's what I'm holding it on. So I just went ahead and opened that. By the way, she's a hook horror. Oh, That's what I opened Okay, to, so that's what she is. Well, I, think, yeah. I think Brad listens, so there okay, you go. so that's Brad, Brad, there you she, go now. She's a hook that's, whore. That's what she is. Uh, she's a hooker whore, <laughs> but... That's neither here nor there. She's a hook horror. H W H O R E R. She's got hook fingers. Yes. <laughs> so, all right, so does the, does the guiding NPC have story of their own? And I, can you make your P? Do you feel like it's a good idea to have your PCs well, be able to do uh, that? Let me. Yes, because I would blur two ideas here. When I ask people to give me their characters for game, one of the things I invariably ask for is give me some amount of plot hooks. Give me something I can do with your character. Now, that set of plot hooks may involve other characters, other player characters, all right? So they might say that, you know, I went on an adventure with Chad's character, and we 
found the magic coffee. We found the magic free trade coffee. <laughs> and all of the man buns. All of the, 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 the city, city, man buns. Oh my city God. of man buns. Magic yeah. coffee beans. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Take us to the Starbucks in the sky. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, if it was smart, I didn't say womp, womp. No, some, somebody observed that from a mythology or something like that, or in general folklore, said beans only serve one purpose, which is to f*** you. <laughs> wow. Because think about a story with magic beans where that goes well. There isn't one. Okay. Yeah. So, but that involves another player character. But more often than not, when people come to me with those plot hooks, they involve non-player characters. I have a missing uncle. I have some guy who was my mentor or who caused me to stress or whatever it is that they want to come back up in the plot again. And so that means there now has to be story that while it fundamentally spotlights a player, not an NPC, it does nonetheless heavily rely on or lean on an NPC. So let's take that a step further. Could that NPC also be a guiding NPC? This is actually already happening in the Skies of Glass game. We'll just keep going with Casey. A big part of Chad's backstory is that he was trapped within a society that is not supposed to have any outs. That once it has its its hooks on you, like a hook horror does, <laughs> that there is no way out. And he found a legal loophole, and there was a series of political maneuvers done that allowed him to basically win his freedom. But that freedom was won in the literal sense, because it came down to he had to cement it with a challenge of power and all this kind of stuff, that trial by ordeal, okay? And it came down to a pit fight that Casey was the one who fought on his behalf with the understanding that Casey, who, by the way, was also trapped in this society, would be released from it as well, and that was his take from it. And the two of them have become compatriots, kindred souls or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, the point is, Chad's relationship with this society, because they keep orbiting around it, they keep passing Mm -hmm. back through it, it's a major part of the story that also just so happens to involve Casey, who is a guiding NPC. But at no point does the story ever become about Casey. Mm -hmm. It's always still about, whether it's Chad's character or any of the characters, it's always still about them. Casey is simply a byproduct of Chad having escaped this society. Mm-hmm. Well, and me observing that the group in general lacked muscle, so I needed <laughs> yeah, to give well, them somebody who could put, do something. Yeah, who could well, take and a I hit have a and feeling put somebody. That, sorry, some of our we have three. Like I said, depending on where we're at in the world, and I think they were also created to fill in a couple holes. Yeah, I think that an an interesting concept would be you have this a guiding character who is really integrated into the party. The characters really like them, or you know, feel like you said, compatriotism towards them and such. I think that you could do something where you wake up in the middle of the night and the guiding NPC is gone. Village police arrested him because you as the game master need the players to go talk to the jailer about not the NPC, but about the stuff that's going on. And there's just really no way that that is going to happen. And it is, and I think we've even done a whole episode on this. It's very, very difficult to arrest and kidnap the players, because they're usually such combat powerhouses. They're like, yeah. oh, a challenge to overcome. Excellent. Stab, stab, stab. Right. A level one guard. Yay. <laughs> Yay. But that might be a good way 
because your guiding NPC is going to be very, very compliant if you want them to be, because they're your guy. And so that's one way of doing it to where, you know, they could get captured or compelled or something could force their hand to do something. That questions the party and sways it. Yeah, that makes the party kind of tilt their head and go in that direction. Now, I will say that if your guiding NPC gets kidnapped or arrested or compelled or judged or thrown in a pit or something... Every single place you go, that's a problem. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. And then it it is what Dan's talking about. The adventure becomes more about them. I think that that's it's a, the Mario right? Yeah, situation. You, you know, your guiding NPC is in another castle. <laughs> that is a card. It's a tool in the toolbox. It's a card that you could play once and not over multiple evenings of a campaign. And it really needs to be tied into something. That concept of... You've got to tap enough land before you can use <laughs> Right. <it>. That concept <laughs> of removing the guiding NPCs and making the players... I don't want to say rescue. I'm not talking about pulling out a prison break. Right. But just basically moving the game piece to an area so that the players gravitate towards that area because that guiding NPC is there physically. That concept really needs to integrate into the overall plot. It isn't just like you're moving to that square and now the magic's going to happen because what will happen, you'll watch your players walk into the jail, throw down a purse of money, spring their guy, and walk out of the town and not say a word. Mm -hmm. And he'll be like, well, crap. You know what I have planned for Casey? What's that? Absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. He's got a beautiful singing voice. He doesn't need to have plans. (laughs) And the reason for that is because of the fact that it's my way of ensuring the game's not about him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are NPCs that have plans. Would you say that he has a history that defines him, but he doesn't have a motivation? I would say he doesn't have a plotted future. Because mm-hmm. he has a history that defines him, and that history creates motivations. Fortunately for me, as I try to run him, his motivations are not all that strong or all that complex. He's fairly content to just basically follow you guys around and right. do he's his thing. super chill. Yeah, he's super chill, and he's just happy to be free and to have a lifespan that's not measured in months. Mm-hmm. That's really as far as he's gotten with things. I mean, does he have motivation? Sure. But I have not plotted out some course for his life. Now, I don't think that necessarily there's a dogmatic rule here, I'd say, of don't ever do that. Because I think you can map out a path for an NPC. But in his case, because of the fact that he's already taken on a somewhat risky role of being that guiding NPC, and I don't want him to become too important, I've not written out much of what will happen to him. Now, I mean, I will go with logic. If this or that happens, well, then this or that happens. If you guys leave him somewhere and you're all in trouble and he's the one that they're going to arrest. Well, then that's what's going to happen. You know, or if a fight goes down wrong and the dice roll out that he dies, he dies. But I don't have a future story prep for him. I do for other NPCs, some of the villains, some of the good guys, a lot of the people that are in the middle, which is where I like most of my NPCs to be. They do have plot points. They do have intentions. They do have plans. They do have things they're trying to do. Casey doesn't, because quite frankly, 
You know, Julie, in a previous episode that you were on, you talked about people overlapping in roles as player characters, Mm -hmm. that you want to be the stealth person and suddenly everybody else is the stealth person, too, and you're kind of like, why am I? They're not the stealth people. They're the raging, screaming barbarians who are doing the stealth. Yeah, that won't. Are also rolling stealth, but yes. Yes, (laughs) who have, yeah, taken my, shut up, (laughs) there's a guard. (laughs) Hey! Like I would. Sorry, this is like off subject. I totally am going to start doing that. I've decided. Oh, and, and not in this yeah. game since I think we've already dealt with the issue. Now that I think the GM heard this episode, <laughs> that episode. But I think that that's exactly what I'm going to start doing. Whenever yeah. barbarians start to stealth, I'm going to. It's yeah. just it's going to happen anyway. But, but I don't want this NPC to be everything. Yeah. In the same way that I don't want any NPC to be everything. Mm-hmm. They each play their role in the story. But they don't play every role in the story. There is no one who is the crux of what's going on. Well, there is, but who that is is the player characters. It's mm-hmm. their story. The well, world, think, sorry, in, in an abstract way, it's going to orbit around them. Now, that doesn't mean every NPC is going to look to them for validation and decisions and whatever. But ultimately, the story has to be about them and the futures that they are designing and the NPCs are mechanisms that I use to create choice or conflict or assistance or sucker or whatever it may be that is necessary to the story at that moment. And to keep any of them from getting out of place, there's a limit to what they do. Mm-hmm. Duchess is this, but she is not also that. You know, the, the overseer is this, but he is not also that. Yak from the Carver clan is this, but he is not also that. And in the Yak, man. And in the same way, oh, you've not seen the end of him. In the same way, Casey Tick and Allen is though I want to see more. <laughs> in the same way, Casey is your guiding NPC, and therefore I as a way of guarding against what he could be, mm-hmm. which would be bad, I don't let him be more. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, who is he in terms of the plot? He's not a major actor. He's not a major power broker. He doesn't run some huge mafioso organization. He doesn't have people he can call in. I mean, what's he got? He's got some friends in a highly oppressed subculture, and his closest friend is dead. Mm-hmm. Or at least when I say close, I guess is his longest running right. friend is dead. And so there you go. He doesn't bring a whole lot else to the plot. But do you think the problem is, is that people have a hard time assuming that there is no further motivations for people? <laughs> like, I think when you're playing in a, in a game, you're playing with a bunch of player characters who all have motivations and a plot line to get. And they generally have to be go-getters wanting to go out and do stuff and treasure hunt and jump and, you know, fight things. I think GMs have a hard time being like, this guy doesn't. He just is yeah. hanging out. Yeah. And I think that's where the problem comes in is like all of a sudden you the intentions could start. Is, is the contrast too, too much. much? And so then they yeah. have it him do it more and then more. Yeah. And then more until the point where it's essentially a player character. And I will say that if we are to be completely honest, I do see downsides with Casey. I love the character to death. I especially love how my character Lee and his character integrate with each other. But there have been occasions where because he is so on the back burner, we have literally forgot he exists. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're going to get off the boat. We're going to go here. We're going to do this. And we're doing it. We're doing it. It might be even two games later. And we're like, 
Where's Casey? Hey, is Casey here? And then Dan's like, he should be. <laughs> oh, we always get the role. It is plausible. plausible. We always get the role, like behind yeah. the screen. Is he there? He is, he is, yes. It is Schrodinger's Casey. <laughs> he's, you don't know if he's there or not until you turn around and look. Right, right. Elusive. Which is amazing because Casey is like, what, seven feet tall? Yeah, he's yeah. That's the key. Yeah. Stealth. Stealth. They always yeah. have the highest stealth That's so right. that they can be behind a tree and be like, Bleh. They are the tree. They are the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, I mean, that that to me is is the one downside, downside of it. Because mm-hmm. in the downside is the advantage of it. Is that we can interact with them and we can role play them and we can have them so integrated into the culture of the party and then Dan can use them as a tool in his toolbox to... Do the guidance to to do, and you don't do it much because we're really smart and we figure out all your clues. No, uh, <laughs> actually, he has to do it once or twice a game. Actually, but you know he he can drop those breadcrumbs if needed. But the advantage is also the disadvantage. Dan running this NPC has to have him be subtle, has him have to take a step back, and so. It's like he should be more forward, but if he was more forward, he wouldn't be as useful as he is. But I, I think that's symptomatic of Casey travels with us. Yeah. If Casey or NPC X were someone that we encounter occasionally because we had gone back to this city or that town, I think it would be easier for everyone involved, Dan as game master, us as players, like, oh, we're, we're in town X. Let's we gotta go up, see B. Yeah, exactly. Let's look up this NPC versus him traveling with us. There's no human at the table representing him. So it's and hard Dan, to remember. Exactly. Dan has, as the game master, has all of these other things that he has to remember, all of these other NPCs with their own motivations that it just gets backburnered by all of us. You should right? just have a mini on the table just for him. Like, that, I know you guys don't play with minis, but just sitting there so that, you know. <laughs> like, a, not a mini. It's like, like a, a doll. Tot- like a totem. A mnemonic, yeah. yeah. A, pl- yeah. a plush Casey. Yeah, right. a plush Casey. <laughs> Chad, you were talking about how once or twice a game, I, I might have to nudge you guys a little bit just with reminders of yeah. things. And, you know, not even necessarily I, and, plot and reveals, but it's just, it's been two weeks. I don't even know if it's or, that much. I mean, we might do more. We might right. do less. I don't. But it's been two weeks. Yeah. There's things about the world you may not remember, mm-hmm. things you, whatever. But one of the things that is is true of the NPCs in general is any of them could be used to give you guys a nudge or a bit of information. As a guiding NPC, there's a truth about KC that is not true of the others. And this is why I think it's important that even if he regularly fades to the background, he travels with you and he's part of your crew, which is you guys generally trust he's on your side. You don't have to run every bit of information he gives you through the lens of, What's his angle? Right. How much of this is true? Follow the money. Follow the money, yeah. precisely. That if he comes to you and he's like, look, you walk through that side of town, it's dangerous. I'd recommend going through this side of town. He may be wrong. Right. But he is genuine. He yeah. is sincere. I, and that, for me, as a game master, is helpful because I love intrigue and complexity mm-hmm. and i love these follow the money types of, of games and if you're listening to the skies of glass ap you're seeing that i'd assume all over the place but occasionally it's like 
we need to move things forward. Yeah. I, I need to give you guys some information well, it's two without an hour of psychoanalysis. Yeah. So Casey can just tell you this, and you guys know that Casey is being genuine. Well, it's two things. One is that we have to move forward. Analysis paralysis and the the follow the money, the lie, de- the social lie detector with every single thing someone says stalls the game out. So there has to be this respite, this sort of island of truth that you can relatively rely on. And the second thing is, if everyone, every single last NPC is sharpening their knives, it's too stressful. Yeah. I mean, there's there's just no rest. Tension in a game should not be this curve that rises through the ceiling and stays there until we say, well, good game, good night, guys, because it's just too much. Tension and stress need to be amped up and then released and brought down, and then there's some laughing and then brought up again. And, you know, if everybody is lying to you and everyone's a bastard, it's not fun. Well, and frankly, that's boring. All right. I mean, eventually you become desensitized to the tension. The tension becomes the You norm. trust no one, and then you just, you know, every NPC gets a bullet in the face because they're out to get us. Because it's quicker. And, yeah, we just yeah. assume that they're out to get us, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's lame. Yeah, so having that kind of NPC that, that you could realistically trust with a realistic amount of things is, is good to have, especially in a highly political game, too. But something that you brought up earlier, and I think we can even spin an entire episode off of this concept, is we could go up to any of the NPCs and Dan can use that guiding NPC concept through any of his NPCs, even if they're not a guiding NPC. All we have to do is walk up to him and ask him the right questions. Now, here as a player is something that I am trying to do, and it's something that I've been thinking about lately. I don't want to treat NPCs as vending machines. So you don't want to beat them until plot comes out, right? Well, I or just shove coins them. Is yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's when hot. when you role play, and I'm not talking about rolling dice and killing kobolds. I'm talking about you know you you go up to the innkeeper or the mayor of the city or anybody any NPC in your game that you're playing. How do you interact with them? How do you have your player interact with them? Because I'm willing to bet that unless it's like a more integrated NPC like Casey is, I'm willing to bet it's questions. Mm -hmm. You walk up and you start asking questions. Now, I'm not saying that people are just pumping information out of every NPC. That might be a motivation, to be sure. But you start asking questions to get a sense of a framework, a base, a place to start, to have the information that your player needs, your character needs, to interact properly and and to handle the situation. Well, you're treating the NPCs like vending machines. You're going up to them. You're pumping them for information. I do that. I don't like doing it. I'm trying not to do it. So go up to NPCs and have like, ask them how their day is. Yeah. It's a question, but yeah. How's your day? It's it's not pumping them. Yeah. Like, man, it's hot out, isn't it? What's the weather like? Right. Where'd you go to high school? (laughs) Where'd you go to high school? That's right. (laughs) But like I said, I, I think that that can almost be its own its own topic. But just to counter, it's just like, yeah, it's like, yeah, you can ask any NPC any question, but should you? How do you treat people in your life? Do you ask questions? Think about this when you go to work tomorrow, or you do your thing tomorrow, and you start interacting with people. Do you just start peppering them with questions? 
If so, guess what? Guess what? You're People that hate guy. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Maybe this is overly navel gazing. In fact, it probably is. But hey, you're listening to a podcast about a hobby. So yeah. I, we're all at the point of navel gazing. But one of the things that all these characters have in common GM PCs, PCs, NPCs, guiding NPCs. However we want to subdivide them. They all have man buns. They all have man buns and free trade coffee. <laughs> right. Or fair trade coffee. Fair trade. Fair, not free trade, excuse me. Fair trade coffee. But they all have the same word at the end of them, which is character. Right. What does that word mean? What does it mean for someone to have or to be a character? And that's more than simply to have a singular function within the plot, you know, that we don't call them components. We don't call them you know, individual tools. We don't, we, we call them characters. And if you cannot define them to some degree as people, and I realize there's a lot to keep track of in a game. And I realize that not every guy selling a sword needs to have eight pages of background. But they just need a funny accent or a silly hat or precisely, a yeah, just <laughs> yeah, or outlandish shoes or something. I sell swords and I have no fingers. <laughs> it's like the shop. <laughs> now teacher. you're curious, now aren't you? <laughs> we had a shop teacher in our high school who had eight master's degrees. Not joking, right? Eight master's degrees. One of them was a master's degree in shop safety, and he was missing most of one hand. Yep. So I all shop accidents. Yeah, I. And the degree, the thing, missing fingers were not the motivation for the degree. The degree came first. The degree came first. So you got a master's a, degree in shop safety. A master's safety. degree, four fingers between two hands. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. And there's a story there. I mean, I don't have a master's in shop safety. So what do I know? <laughs> How to count to 10. <laughs> so uh, we'll leave that one on that high culture note anyway thank you guys for tuning in have a great week of great games and we will catch you next time yeah dismembered people are not they're not otherwise thinking that this has been a production of fear the boot copyright 2018 Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.